It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Welcome back, everybody. Today on the show, Janet Fouts. Janet Fouts is founder and human potential facilitator of Nearly Mindful, a mindfulness and emotional intelligence training company in Silicon Valley. What you're going to find out about today is how mindfulness makes us more effective as leaders, as humans, uh, as mothers, fathers, whatever. So you're going to enjoy today's show. Also, we're going to find out how stress doesn't have to run us. A lot of us go from stress to stress to stress. Sometimes we call it putting out fires. But anyway, so sit back, relax. And you're going to find out about Janet and how mindfulness can make you better. Janet, welcome back. Thank you, Bert. It's good to have you here. So first of all, I want to ask you about nearly mindful. Uh, it almost sounds, uh, I don't know, it sounds kind of funny to me. Not quite, but nearly. So talk about yep. the name nearly mindful. How did you get there? Well, you know, the thing is, is that we are so obsessed with how important being mindful is and how hard it is and all the things, the hopes, the way we sit, the way we hold ourselves, all these things, and they get so blown out of proportion. When in actual fact, most people, even the ones who've studied mindfulness for tons of years, they aren't mindful all the time. Nobody is. And so the point is nearly is a good start. And as long as we have something set in our minds that we're going to achieve and we're just nearly there, we're getting better, aren't we? I love that. That is, that is probably, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, the, the, I don't know. I think that's just like such an awesome idea, right? So we, not only should we be nearly mindful, we should be nearly patient. We should be nearly everything, right? Nearly go down the list because you're right. We put so much pressure on ourselves to be this or to be that. And I think by going nearly, it kind of takes some of the pressure off. Exactly. And that's the purpose of it. I really want to just demystify mindfulness and help everybody understand it. Yes, you too can be mindful in a moment, not in days, not in hours, not with killing yourself to be mindful because it's really hard to be mindful when you're stressed. So if you're stressed about being mindful, it ain't going to happen. Yeah, that makes total sense. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about this. First of all, explain to the audience, what's a human potential facilitator? Well, I have a lot of hats. Some of them are coach, some of them are mentor, some of them are consultant. There's all different kinds of hats. But at the end of the day, what I really want is to help people be their best selves. And I think there's been a lot of be your best selves. You know, it's the end of the year. We're all getting those emails. Don't you want to be your best self? Give me a million dollars and I will make you your best self. That doesn't work either. And we know that. But we all do want to feel like, okay, I'm really being my authentic self, my real self. And there's certain things that I want to achieve in my life. And I want to create a plan and a way to get there. And one of the ways to get there, oh, shocking, is to be mindful and to have intentions and boundaries and goals that 
help us to be our best selves. So that's what a human potential facilitator does. I make it easy for you to reach your best potential. Yeah, I like that. All right. So let's start with your definition of mindfulness, because it is one of those topics or one of those buzzwords now that is thrown around so much. So give me your thoughts. What is mindfulness? I saw a poster in a grocery store the other day for mindful mayonnaise. It's been so overhyped that nobody really knows what it is. Mindful mayonnaise. I just, (laughs) yeah, it's everything can have mindfulness attached to it now. And it's, it's made it stupid and it's not being mindful is simply paying attention in this moment on purpose. That's all it is. So it's kind of a fancy way of saying live in the moment. Yes, but also that in that moment, I'm paying attention and I'm choosing to pay attention, not, oh, I just got hit by a brick. Now I'm paying attention. We should probably do that first. Maybe if you're paying attention, you won't be you won't be hit by the brick. You'll see it coming. You will anticipate because you're you're aware you're paying attention. And I mean, just think about all the times that we've done things. You know, everybody has a story about, wow, I got to work today and I don't remember exactly what my route was or what I saw along the route. Well, it's because we weren't paying attention. That's when accidents happen. And it's because we're not fully present. We're distracted. We're thinking, we're planning, we're worrying, all those other things we do when we could maybe be a little more present not totally present all the time. Let's not make it too big a deal. It's funny. I remember distinctly a few years ago, uh, I left my office and before I knew it, I was home and I cannot remember driving home. It was just like, I'm in my driveway. I'm going, wow. And obviously I was deep in thought, but it just blew me away that I could be, that I could absolutely go into autopilot. And I remember later on reading a book by a gentleman named Eric, no, Milton Erickson, who is a psychiatrist, psychiatrist, psychologist. And he says that we're all kind of in a hypnotic trance all the time. It's just we're all in our little bubble. And so I, I didn't feel totally bad, but it did shock me that I could be so unaware. And yeah, like you said, I was grateful. I didn't cause an accident. I, I don't yeah. know. So, yeah. But here's the interesting thing about that. And the thing that I, I love to tell my students is that you noticed, okay, that was a mindful moment. That was a moment of awareness when you went, holy crap, that could have been bad. And, you know, I mean, we do so much automatically in our lives. We answer the phone automatically while we've still got our fingers on a keyboard. There are all kinds of things that we do in automaticity that we regret later because we wasted, we actually wasted time. We wasted the ability to connect with people because we were still answering our email while we were answering the phone. The person on the phone knows that. It's so basic, but we don't think about it. Well, they can't see me. They couldn't possibly know that I'm watching a YouTube video while I sell them something. Right. 
that's what mindful work is about. That's what mindful leadership is about. When we sit in a, well, we used to sit in a conference room with 30 people in a meeting when really only 10 needed to be there and everybody else is either playing games, answering email or wondering what they're gonna have for lunch instead of being in the meeting, being present, being efficient. So that's an example of how we can really bring this stuff to work and not feel like, you know, we all have to be floating on, I don't know, flying carpets with our hands in the proper positions. It's not like that. It doesn't have to be like that. Not that that's bad. You want to go there? Great. It's wonderful, but you don't have to. Yeah, I like that. All right. So I know you work with a lot of leaders. So give me your thoughts. How does mindfulness make us better leaders? It helps us pay attention better. You know, a lot of things happen. um, You know, when we went remote, it was a lot harder because we're not seeing our employees and how they're feeling, what they're doing. We don't have quite as much connection with the individuals in our organization. And delegating is an incredibly important and powerful thing. But if we delegate without paying attention to whether it worked or not, if somebody's struggling or not, then they're going to struggle on their own. They're going to go to Google. They're going to figure it out. They're going to ask somebody else for help, which is great. But at the end of the day, you know, we need to know what's going on. And that means paying attention. It means checking in with people. How are you doing on this project? And having a relationship with that person that is strong enough that they're actually going to tell you the truth because they know that they can trust you and you know that they can trust and you can trust them. So that's part of mindfulness too. It's, I actually listen when you tell me how you're doing on a project. I'm curious, asking questions. These are mindful qualities that people don't even realize. Hey, you're already mindful. Ta-da! Yeah, I like that so very much. All right, let me ask you this. Uh, First of all, you've written seven books. And I know, I can't remember which one, but in one of those books, you talk about reducing stress or you have certain tools to be able to manage or reduce stress. Talk about some of your favorite tools. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, most of the stress that we encounter is because we're worrying. We're worrying about the past. We're worrying about the future. And we have to realize at some point that there's a difference between planning and worrying about whether it's gonna work out and being present in this moment and what I'm doing right now is extremely important. There's a huge amount of time that's wasted simply because we don't pay attention. Um, One of the things that I use probably the most is the simplest and it's just a pause. Allowing yourself to pause before you speak not for 12 minutes, just stop. Because sometimes our thought process is on what I'm gonna say next, blah, 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 in our head. And if I just pause before I say it, my mind can reorganize that into something that might come out better than if I just blurt it out, because I do tend to blurt things out on occasion, and it's not always good. So if we can really just, it isn't like I'm gonna pause and make sure everything's right. It's simply a pause, a heartbeat, a breath. And when we do that, well, before we're going to speak, that's very powerful. 
Even more important is when the other person is speaking, instead of thinking how you're going to answer it better than they could ever have possibly imagined, just shut up, let your mind go, and listen to what the person's saying. And when they've stopped speaking, give a little pause. Because I don't know how many conversations I've had or seen, experienced in class where if you just pause one-tenth of a second more, that person had more to say. It just hadn't fully materialized for them. It hadn't been fully processed. It takes people a while to get used to a pause in a conversation, even on a podcast. It can sort of drive people nuts. But over time, they begin to learn, oh, gee, I can think now. And conversations happen more naturally when we do that. So, you know, those are two things. Um, I also use just the breath a lot. Like if I'm going to be going into a meeting and I'm a little stressed about it, or if I'm going to be speaking on the stage, before I walk out on the stage, I'll just stop for a moment, take one breath, feel myself get grounded and centered, and then do it. And you come at it from a totally different place. If you run in the door, you know, and then you run to the office, okay, all that energy has got to go somewhere. But if you can ground it and get it centered, you're going to be a much better speaker. You're going to be a much better leader because you have a sense of presence that people really appreciate. Yeah, I like that. Uh, listening to the strategy on the pause, I think that a lot of people, have a little bit of an issue or maybe a big issue with just silence mm -hmm. it's like we have to fill every millisecond with some kind of noise and that's not always necessary it's not always good pausing right and it, it's really true that um when we pause people actually realize that we're processing things and that we're allowing them time to process things. And it's not like, again, it's not a really long pause, but you're just giving in mindfulness circles, they call it just give that space, give it a little space because our minds are still working on things and you interrupt each other less, which is also really annoying. I'm used to be a classic interrupter. I would interrupt everything, but I've kind of learned to just, give a little space and conversations are better. They're deeper. We're all more paying attention and that's what we want, right? Absolutely. As I mentioned earlier, you, again, you, you, you're, you've authored seven books and I think you have a new book coming up, Microdose Mindfulness. Is that right? Yes. Microdose Mindfulness. Go ahead. See, I interrupted. <laughs> What I teach is microdosed mindfulness. And the idea of it is that mindfulness does not have to be long stretches of stuff. If we can adapt a few little techniques, like when you're going to go into a meeting and you put your hand on the door, give yourself a tenth of a second to go, okay, I'm going into a meeting and to become present for that spot to recognize what you're about to do. And so it's those little micro moments, just like microdosing certain things. It's about 
they call it titration in psychology. If you're afraid of heights, you take a little step towards the edge, a little step towards the edge, and those tiny steps add up. It's the same thing with mindfulness. These small doses of mindfulness, and you pick and choose what works for you instead of having to follow somebody else's plan. You just pick a few things that work. You try them a few times. Maybe it's mindful eating. Maybe it's going for a walk. Maybe it's looking out the window and going, wow, clouds are really beautiful today. And that lifts your spirit and it changes your mindset. There are a gazillion microdoses that we can all do every day and we can create our own system that fits for us instead of having to fit in a framework because I don't really like frameworks. I like that. You know, it's interesting because it seems like mindfulness and this idea of micro-dosed mindfulness is so appropriate for our times. I mean, we're, people are stressed about COVID-19 and some of the, um, what do you call it, uh, fallout of the COVID-19. And we're constantly hearing all these messages, most of which are not good. And so it seems like this would be a very appropriate tool or strategy to be able to use every day. Yes. Yes. And, you know, I mean, if you look back at our grandparents, they moved in such a more slow world. Everything moved more slowly. Part of what's happening with us now, and, you know, I've been managing social media and digital marketing for 20 years. So I'm pretty geeky, techie, all of that stuff. But there's so much noise in our world right now. We're so inundated constantly. And all of that interrupts us. Every single moment we hear something on the TV, it distracts us for seconds or minutes. So when we start to become mindful, we start to realize that we have agency. We have the power of choice. I don't have to listen to TV right now. I don't need to be distracted every 12 seconds. I can allow myself to just sit for a moment, maybe five minutes, maybe 10, and be quiet. Enjoy the beauty of nature. Go for a quiet walk. And that allows our brains to process. It helps us to develop. And it keeps us from feeling like we're constantly being inundated with noise and distractions. That's a choice we can make. And that's a mindful choice we can make. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and I, I think one of the issues that has happened with social media is that we have become this society of reactionary type people you know, we're, we're waiting for, for somebody to say something so we can pounce on them, or we're waiting for somebody to, uh, you know, like our last comment or whatever it is that we posted. So we're waiting for that reaction or we're wait, or we're, we're ready to react, I guess. And I think that just adds to the chaos and the noise and, and, and the speed of which the world is moving is, is this reactionary type of social media environment that we've created. Yes. And once again, the difference between reaction and response 
is huge. Yes. If we say we see something on social media that we don't like, we get that instant reaction in our chest, or we might get anxious, or we might have our fists clenched, whatever it is, when we recognize, oh, okay, I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to think about this for a tenth of a second, and then I'm going to respond mindfully, thoughtfully, whatever you want to call it. But it's that knee-jerk reaction that has caused a lot of the problems that we're having in this world right now. And we don't need to be reactive. We can be responsive. Totally different thing. Imagine how when that happens in the workplace, you know, somebody makes a mistake and you instantly go off on them because they made a mistake. It's going to cost millions of dollars and the world is going to end. Yeah, the world's not going to end. So take a breath and figure out how to respond in a way that encourages and supports the employee, helps to solve the problem, whether it's bringing the entire team together or not. But be conscious about how you're gonna do that. And that employee is gonna be much more loyal than the one that you just go off on. If you want loyalty, if you want commitment, if you want engagement, then actually connect with your people. Because I'll tell you one thing I've learned over the last, six years is that management is changing in big ways. And, you know, I'm, I'm old in this business, but the leading up from author, authoritarian kind of mentality, it's not happening. And it's not just the young kids that are saying, oh, I'm a millennial. I don't have to listen to you. Uh-uh. It's the boomers too. It's everybody. And especially in this culture where everybody's quitting. Why are they quitting? Because they don't want to work for you. So fix the way you work. Fix the way you manage and lead, and you'll see a change. Absolutely. Fact, you're over. <laughs> uh, you know, I, there's, there's a certain couple articles out there that talk about employees typically don't leave a company. They leave a supervisor. They leave a team leader, a boss, or whatever phrase you want to use they leave a toxic culture versus a company, right? So, so uh, yeah, absolutely. All right, so that brings me to this question. Can you give me examples of micro doses that will help us be more effective in the workplace? Yes, kind of a lot of them. But really, it, it is that paying attention. It is you know, recognizing when you're doing things that you're not necessarily need to be doing. A lot of the times, you know, I've, I haven't worked in a corporate office for a long time, but I've spent a lot of time consulting in them. And some of the things that I observe is this need for everybody to show up in a meeting, to be authoritarian at the head of the table and direct everything. Well, if you have to direct everything, why do you have all these people here? Why do they need to be here? And when we start to think about how we structure our day and have smarter meetings, uh, meetings that have an agenda, meetings where everybody knows what they're coming to do and what their responsibilities are and having a follow-up at the end, that's a mindful way to run a meeting. When we think about our impact on the team that we lead, or even if we are in the middle of the team, that doesn't mean you can't lead from the middle. How many of us have been in an office 
where the admin for the CEO is the gatekeeper for the whole country company. Great. She's the one that you need to connect with on a, on a deeper level, not on a suck up level, not bringing her a bottle of whiskey, but actually connecting to her and helping her to understand why it's important that you have this meeting right now. And it's all about communication. Mindfulness is about being present with what's real for you. It's about communicating. It's about wishing well for others. Sometimes in meetings, there'll be one person that we're like, oh, geez, she came to the meeting. There's always one person like that, right? Every time we say that or think it, we're putting a negative picture on that person. We're putting them in a box. We need to think about the boxes that we put people in. It's easy to put them in a box, but she's got good qualities too, or she wouldn't be there. So what are her good qualities? Change your mindset about this person so that you can think of something positive and your interaction with them will be better. And the interaction with the entire team will be better because everybody knows how you feel about her, even if you never said it. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and to take that mindfulness idea um, a little bit further, you know, when, when you're dealing with somebody at the office that maybe rubs you the wrong way, or as you said, it's that person that, that uh, nobody quote likes or whatever, uh, maybe take the time to find out a little bit more about them. Kind of like you suggest, uh, instead of not in a suck up way, but really try to dig deep and find out what's going on. We're all fighting our own little battles and, and maybe this person that, that comes across as uh, cold or, you know, rubs you the wrong way. Maybe they're having a terrible, terrible life at the moment. Maybe they're dealing with uh, dying parents. Maybe they're in a toxic relationship at home. Maybe, you know, they're going through just something terrible that like a lot of us, we're just doing the best we can to keep it bottled up. So we don't, we don't unleash. Mm -hmm. So, and honestly, she may feel the same way about you. Yes. And that may be what the basis is. So, you know, step back, look at the relationship, look at, you know, did she make somebody coffee the other day? Okay. If you can just find one little positive thing to think about this person, I guarantee it will change your mindset about them overall. It'll change your relationship. And maybe it won't be immediate, but it really can over time open things up. It's just because we put people in boxes and we don't want to go to the trouble to take them out of their box. Yes. And that's just lazy. Yes. We all do it. We all do it. Lazy. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we make the snap judgment, put that person in this box and you're right. Uh, we, we don't want to change our mind. Uh, and, and again, uh, who, who's it? Uh, Stephen Covey. What was his famous thing about first try to understand then try to be understood, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And understanding somebody takes work. You got to, some people have a, a wall and they keep it there for a reason. And it takes time to break through that wall to get to, to get to understand them. And like you said, to do it in a way that is authentic and not a suck up way. That's that's good. That's real. That's helpful. Yes. I mean, that's how you build a team. 
And also to understand that, okay, we've got a team together. Some of them have been working together for a year, five, 10 years, whatever. The ones that have been there for 10 years, we forget that people grow and change all day, every day. If I have a bad day today, it doesn't mean I'm going to be the same way next week. As people skills develop as a leader, we need to recognize, oh, I see that they're growing out in this area. What can I do with that? Can I help them with that? Can I help them grow? Can I help them go in a different direction? Can I tell, give them a little support, hire them a coach, give them somebody to give them a little bit more confidence? Because there's lots of times, and this is true in marriage and any other kind of relationship, we get comfortable with the boxes we put people in and they grow out of the box without us seeing it. And then they get up and leave because they grew and we didn't notice. Yes. And it's not that we didn't grow too, because we did. Everybody is, but we just don't notice. And so we leave them. Oh, that person's the janitor. That's all they'll ever be. Well, you know, there was a great Robert F. Kennedy was at NASA and he ran into a janitor and he said, what do you do here, sir? And he said, I make sure that it's safe for people to go into space. Holy crap. I mean, he really felt like he had this mission and that's how he felt about his job. So if you put that guy in a box and say, oh, he mops the floors, you know, and you litter because you're a jerk, then, okay, wow, you need to take a look at yourself and think about the people that you're working with. Everyone has different issues and we need to meet people where they are in that moment and not leave them out you know, in their box, you know, like a dog in the backyard. It's just ridiculous, but we do it all the time. Sure. And when we're aware of it, and that's what mindfulness is. Wow. I never thought of that. Okay. Celebrate every time you recognize that you've been doing something automatic and you'll stop doing it. Yeah. I like that. Uh, and, and speaking of celebrate, maybe you celebrate other things that you're aware of, like taking somebody out of that box or the fact that they've grown or the fact that they're doing something different or, or whatever. And so, uh, yeah, I think that uh, celebrating little things is a great way to, to go through life, being grateful and yes. celebrating these little changes in yourself and in others what a what a much better way to experience life than to just the opposite of what we it. do. Yeah, power yeah. through it, leave people in the box. Um, Go home, yeah. have three beers because <laughs> you feel like whatever when you get home because you've been struggling all day. You don't have to struggle all day. Celebrate, celebrate what you do. Celebrate what someone else does. When you see somebody you know, wow, they just did something that makes them happy. be happy for them, celebrate with them. That's very powerful. Yep. I love it. I love it. We're going to end on that note. Janet, it's been a blast being able to talk to you about mindfulness again and looking forward to catching up with you again. Thank you. Oh, before we, before we go, uh, what is the best website to find out more about you if, if I want to maybe buy a book or uh, hire you for a speaking engagement or what's the best website to go to? 
the website to find me on is, is my own, janetfoots.com, F-O-U-T. I'm jailed everywhere on social media, but uh, you can get information about my books, the upcoming book, which should show up in com. Great. Janet, thank you so much for, for stopping by. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.